I want to know where you get your turtlenecks, but that's neither here nor there. All right. Tell me later. (laughs) Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about wintry reads. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and have book talk about books with winter settings. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? Um, Great. I'm feeling much better this week. Good. Glad to hear it. It was a rough, it was a rough few days. Finally. Yes, I know. I did end up having COVID. Um, On last week's episode, I said I had a head cold, which I was thinking that's what it was because my first test Mm -hmm. was negative. And then two days later, it was not negative. Mm -hmm. So I did not, I did not bypass that along with many, many other people. So, but I, I'm Mm -hmm. on the upswing. I feel a lot better. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. I feel fine. You know, it's late. It's like 816 central, which is again, might as well be midnight for this one. Well, it's, I kind of feel it's late. It's kind of fun to record late. I'm like, I feel like I don't know. It's just so strange. Like I'm sitting in my closet late at night just talking to you. I know. And all of a sudden, you know, all the listeners are going to hear it. I know. Well, when I was prepping and I was I was like, oh, gosh, it's almost nine o'clock. And then and normally I'd be I'd be getting my pajamas on and being tired. But then I was like, oh, I get to go. I get to go talk to Tina for mm-hmm. like oh, it's we, fine. I get to go talk to, about mm-hmm. books for an hour. And then I, I, I automatically felt more energy. Oh, good. Well, I feel the same. Yeah. I feel the same. I'm bringing the heat today. Let me tell you, I got some good picks for us today. I think I do too. I have found that I love wintry reads. I was not expecting it. We kind of just picked it, I think, because it made sense given the Mm -hmm. time of year. And we thought, okay, we'll find some cozy. We'll find some murder. (laughs) And when I was doing research for this, I found so many books that I want to read. So I might have a couple more weeks of wintry reads snuck in now and again. Okay. All right. I do have some good ones that I'm bringing today, but it took me a little while to decide what I was going to to land on that I was enjoying. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I had a little harder time and I don't know why, because I like winter reads. I like reading this type of book in the winter. So I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit too. We'll dive into that. Yeah. We'll do a little bit of chat about winter reads and why we like seasonal reading. But first, let me share my loving lately with you. And it's a very niche product. So I don't know that very, not everybody will enjoy this, but it's for anybody that wears mascara will like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the absolute best way I've found to take off my eye makeup. This is called Clinique Take the Day Off. Okay. Have you heard of it? I have heard of this. Yes. It's Awesome. It is a makeup balm. And so what you do is basically it comes in this little tub and you just take a little bit and rub it all over your eyes. And you look a little insane when it comes when you're done. You're all raccoon eyed, but it truly melts everything off. And I wear a lot of eye makeup because I like it and I think it's fun. This is the best way that I've found. Um, And then you just wash your face like normal. And what I like about it, it's not super greasy. 
I've used some of those oils that are really greasy. And once you, even after you wash your face, you feel like you still have residue. This washes off really, really well. But most importantly, I like it because you don't have to tug at your eyes Mm -hmm. a ton. So when you use like makeup wipes, you're like kind of rubbing at your eyes. And I'm always like, oh God, what am I doing to my under eyes here? But this just gets it all nice and, you know, loose. And then you can just wipe it off. It's really, really awesome. I have been using this probably now for like three or four years. So I swear by it. It's one of my Holy Grail products. And I thought I'd share it. I did not use it last night. And when I woke up tonight, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like you can tell the nights that I, I can tell the nights that I use it and the nights that I don't. So it's highly recommended for anybody that is looking for a new way to help with their face washing routine. This was Clinique Take the Day Off. Okay. And once you rub, 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 it doesn't get in your eye. You don't like have makeup going in your eye and all that Mm-mm. stuff. No, I've never had. And that's a really good point, too. I have super sensitive eyes, like certain makeup wipes, cer- certain micellar waters irritate my eyes and they burn them. This does nothing. It's like hypoallergenic. It does not burn me in the absolute slightest. Okay. And it lasts forever. I think I buy like two tubs a year. So oh. it's worth the money for sure. Okay, good. I am still in book mode for my loving lately. Good. I may circle back to skincare next week, but I have to share this. And it's first a website, and then I want to share a specific article from that website. And the website is Crime Reads. Have you heard of Mm, this website? Yeah. Where have I been? I don't know. How have I not known about this website? I, I just found it. So I found it when I was Googling for 2022 books that I want to know about and I and I'd love to do that research. So anyway, I came across their article, Most Anticipated Crime Fiction of 2022. They mm-hmm. give 85 titles. I went yes. through every single one. That's when <laughs> I ended up messaging you and I said, uh, I think it was Saturday night, I have spent the evening requesting books on NetGalley. <laughs> Um, Yes. That's where I got this from. I did not know about Crime Reads. It's a website for crime fiction, mysteries, thrillers. They have feature articles. They have a section for true crime, TV shows, movies, podcasts, and recommendations based on different genres, such as mystery, noir, suspense, thrillers, and procedural. So you could find movie recommendations or book recommendations by just clicking on each genre. Oh man, I I love this website. I don't know how I didn't know about it, but I'm glad I do now. And that's Crime Reads. Yes. I thought when you started talking about this, I was going to say, didn't I share it with you? Because I've seen, I saw that article with the 85 Crime Reads and I was like, oh man, this is going to, I think I saved it for later or something. So I'm like, "This this is a deep dive. And I wasn't prepared at the time to go through it. I'm glad you found it because, yeah, you're. I get some good recommendations from them. Yes. And one of my shelf edition today is a book that I found on that article. That makes perfect sense. So my latest read is a book that I'm really struggling to articulate how I feel about it. So let me explain. It's called Mercy Street, and it's written by Jennifer Haig. And it's a story that centers on a women's clinic in Boston that provides abortions. And I initially picked it up. I got an audio, or I guess an audio galley of it, an early copy. I was making a quick trip to Boston and I thought, oh, I want to, you know, it's kind of fun to read books that are set 
in the place that you're visiting. I happen to love Boston, and that was actually one of the best parts of this book was the descriptions of Boston. But the story itself is told through the viewpoints of several characters. You have Claudia, who is a care provider who's worked there for years. You hear from her weed dealer, and then you hear from some other side characters, and they all end up intersecting at one point or another. So the clinic's in the heart of Boston, and Claudia has worked there for about the last 10 years or so, and she works with people from all backgrounds. She's a counselor, and so she's responsible for talking to the women, telling them their oper- you know, what uh, options they have. The work is tough and it's taxing, but it provides a service to those who need it. And you have clients who can afford health care and those who cannot that come there. And you see a lot of differences in their understanding and the things that they know about. But the clinic, as you might expect, gets a lot of anonymous threats, and there are anti-abortion demonstrators outside each morning. And she has like walk past these people every single day as she's going to work, and it really is taking a toll on her mental health. And to deal with this anxiety, she smokes pot before bed, and one of the characters we come to know is her dealer, Timmy. Timmy is a, he's a weed dealer and basically lives in an apartment that his uncle owns, but he's a pretty nice guy. He has a kid down in Florida. They have some really great conversations and he was an interesting side character. Weed is not legal at the time this book is set and he's super aware of that. He has an exit plan. He's got this laundromat idea that he wants to take off later on. But while she's at Timmy's spending a little bit of time with him, she meets customers from all different areas. You've got Anthony who has suffered an accident and can no longer work. And he spends his time chatting with Victor, an anti-abortion crusader who has set his sights on Mercy Street and is ready to risk it all for his beliefs. What I liked, I liked reading a story set in Boston. I liked reading a story about working class people. They're my people. I felt kind of seen. A lot of times I read a lot of books with very, very rich characters living these wild and crazy lives. And these, these folks were living regular everyday lives. I really like Claudia as a character. She had a tough background, and you dig into that a little bit. She's hardworking and a little bit stubborn, but very passionate about her job and the care that she gives her clients. Where it lost me was that we had to live inside the mind of the anti-abortion crusader. You're right there in his thoughts, and let me tell you, it's not pretty. It was a very stark reminder about how much some people hate women and genuinely don't believe that we're equal citizens and that our sole job is to bear children, I almost DNF'd. As soon as we got into this man's brain, I was like, oh, no, mm -mm, I'm good. (laughs) But then I I started thinking about it, and I, I missed Claudia a little bit. I'm like, I hope she's okay. And I noticed one of my author friends was reading it, and so I DM'd her. She's like, just message me when you're finished and we can chat. So I did. I pushed through. I thought the book was thoughtful, very well written, but definitely not the story I was expecting. I thought it would be a lot more about the clients at the clinic. They were nothing more than footnotes in this story. This story made me very uncomfortable to read in places, especially when there's talk about how society places much more value on the fetus versus the mother. Like, anyway. I liked seeing the characters intersect despite hating some of them. I really liked, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? Because you're, you know, the anti-abortion crusader and what he's planning to do. You get to know Claudia. You're like, what's going to happen? I liked that I learned a little bit about women's care and the lengths that some people will go to prevent women from being able to make a choice. There was a whole business whose sole job was to mimic actual women's clinics. What they did was 
copied their website, got women to call in, would push off their appointments so that the woman would just think, oh my gosh, what's going on? And eventually it would be too late so they could no longer have the abortion if they wanted it. I found this to be a very sad, quiet story that tried to give you all sides to the pro-life and pro-choice argument. It was a dismal reminder that females' bodies belong to the entire world. They're policed, they're politicked, and especially when you think about women of color or those from a certain socioeconomic status. Anyway, I'm walking away with more of an open mind. I would definitely give this author another shot. She's clearly talented. She got me able she she got me to feel you know, and she, and I really, despite being so uncomfortable, couldn't stop listening. I actually did this on audio. So there's something to be said for that. I would love to know if anybody else has read this or is planning to read this because it does not come out until February 1st. But let me know your thoughts. This one is Mercy Street by Jennifer Haig. Yeah, I think I have one of her other books. I mm-hmm. think Faith. Um, yeah. I haven't read it. She has a few others. And so I think she tackles religion in that one. So it sounds like she tackles, you know, in-depth subjects that can be controversial. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. I'm glad that she went there. But I was just like, huh. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it was a bummer. But that's okay. It sounds like you had to sit with someone whose views were completely different than your own. And also that made Mm -hmm. you uncomfortable. Sometimes good fiction can do that. Right. Absolutely. Obviously, you could DNF if you're, you know, if if you're oh, too sure. uncomfortable. But something made you keep going. Something made me keep going. I kept thinking about it. And I actually did like a little bit of the resolution. So I was like, okay, it wasn't completely a waste of time at all, mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> okay. And it's relatively short. So there's something to be said for that. All right. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking my books today all of them, I kind of have to say less than I usually do about plot. Okay. And mm-hmm. like you did such a good job of telling plot without telling anything that happened. Like I felt like mm-hmm. listening to you and I can't do that because of these picks. So I'll, I'll start right. with my latest read, which is definitely okay. one of those. And it's Find Me by Alifair Burke. <gasps> oh my goodness. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this. That I was like, I saw it. I had a copy or you know ability to get a copy. I was like, Renee is going to pick this. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have the audio copy. And oh, it was really, really good on audio. Really good. Mm-hmm. But man, and she's a trusted author. I, I've read several of her books. The Wife being my favorite so far. But in this story, you have Hope Miller. And she lost her memory 15 years ago when she was in a car accident, the circumstances of which she can't remember because she lost everything and never regained any memory. But as the story goes on, the circumstances will prove to be more than a little suspicious. Hope's best friend is a New York City criminal defense attorney, Lindsay Kelly, and she spends what seems like the majority of her time worried about hope. She's very, Mm -hmm. to the point I was like, wow, she's really preoccupied, really into hope as like overly concerned about her friend. However, that turns out that it may have been for a good reason because hope has decided on a spur of the moment to move to East Hampton because she says she needs a change. So she does. And once she's there and getting set up, someone knocks on her door late one night And she recognized, well, she thinks she recognizes him 
and then she vanishes. So you have that timeline interspersed with a past timeline. And then you have NYPD homicide detective Ellie Hatcher. So you have about three plot lines going. And Ellie is from previous Alifair Burke novels. I really like her. In this story, she begins to suspect that Hope's disappearance, once she's brought into the loop, could be linked to the supposed suicide of Ellie's own father 20 years ago. So there is a lot mm-hmm. going on. Even though it was on audio, I did feel like, wow, this is a lot to keep track of. I definitely had to pay attention. And I still felt confused, but in a good, like in a way that I was very aware of how complex this plot she had going. Mm-hmm. If that, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm. You're almost like delighted. You're like, wait, how are you doing I all know. this? I was like, oh, I have no idea what's going on. And this is, and, and I love feeling like that. The pace, the complexity of the plot, for me, equaled a complete binge. I listened to this, I think, in, from started in the morning and finished at night. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. And I say that despite the fact that I didn't really like or feel invested all that much in Hope or Lindsay. But what I was invested in was the plot. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to find out what happened the night she was in that accident, what led up to that, what was going on. I wanted to find out what was going on with Ellie's father. I really like Ellie Hatcher. And there was just so many threads, and the pace was was so fast that it kept me engaged. I just, I, it was very, very plot driven. And I, in no way, expected to figure any of it out. And that is how she writes, though. I mean, she only gives you the bare minimum. It's really, really mm-hmm. hard to figure out her plots until she wants you, you know, to get to the resolution. And I don't mind that. As soon as I finished, I was like, how would I describe this? I would say, this is a smart popcorn thriller. Okay. If it's a, that type of read, you can read it fast, but it's very smart and it's intricate. And if you like that, I think you will like this book. And it's Find Me by Alifair Burke. That sounds really good. And it sounds perfect for you. It, well, it really was. It really like was. a fun binge. Yeah. And plus, I feel like the fact you, you're just getting over COVID and you're still able to like keep mm-hmm. all that straight, that's a sign of a good author, you know? Oh, for sure. I read this in the midst of COVID. And I was, mm-hmm. maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's partly why I was like, I, I can't even begin to keep this straight. <laughs> <laughs> just tell me the story. But <laughs> the, of the books that I've read by her, I don't think I've ever... F- followed like mm-hmm. and figured out her plots and that that's how I prefer to have my stories go like she yeah. writes on a level of like a Harlan Coben who just gotcha. plots so well that you're just mm-hmm. along for the ride yep oh I love that when you're just along mm-hmm. for the ride that's a really good way to phrase it yes yeah yeah well let's get into book talk we are chatting a bit about wintry reads today, and that could be anything. We didn't really have any other parameters than that. It could be like mine. I have a locked room mystery set in a very wintry setting. I have one that's literary. And I know on the show we've talked about seasonal reading before. How would you say your reading changes in the winter versus the summer? Well, okay. 
and this does apply to us because we're in the Midwest. So we're in a, we're in a place that's cold. Mm -hmm. And I debated like, what do I feel? Because sometimes in the winter, especially because we're in the cold, you might feel like reading something set on a beach, but I Mm -hmm. don't. I really don't. I don't either. I feel like Mm -mm. reading a mystery, mysteries and thrillers have called to me. And that's Mm -hmm. been a, like a big shift from December where I was feeling really literary fiction more and really in-depth character type of books with the with the little thriller thrown in but now I really feel like getting under a blanket with a really good mystery or thriller and that's mm-hmm. been my mood and then for this episode I really wanted to find books set where snow was a big factor and I did but it took a while mhm yeah. And it's so deceiving, too, because I actually started the first book of the year. It was I, what I thought was going to be a wintry read. I don't even know if winter played a part at all. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Why did you put this? Yeah, like the cover. And I'll share it on a different show later on because it fits with one of our future topics. And I actually did like it. But the cover was this this girl running in the snow, running away from the camera. And I was like, oh, OK, there's got to be a wintry read. And I kept waiting and waiting. I'm like, maybe it'll play a role. And it doesn't. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. I will say sometimes the covers can be deceiving. Mm-hmm. Or in the case of the first book I'm going to share, that's how I knew that it would fit for this topic because it was like a super beautiful, very snowy cover. Okay. Well, do you think that you read differently in the winter and do you slow down at all? And what what I mean by that, I was thinking for myself, I do slow down. And what that means for me is I actually spend time sitting mainly on the couch, (laughs) Mm -hmm. under a blanket. But I actually spend time sitting and reading. I read one print book, an actual print book, and then a Kindle book, one on my Kindle. Mm -hmm. Well, in the summer, I'm really, truly usually doing audiobook after audiobook after audiobook because I feel like the summer is, I'm so much busier, whether we're outside Mm -hmm. and, you know, I sometimes take Vinny on two walks or we're out doing yard work, right? right? And you're, I just feel so much busier and Mm -hmm. audiobooks are great for that because I can still be reading. And now I feel like I'm actually taking time to sit and read. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, I think that's the case. No, I am very busy (laughs) (laughs) right now. It just so happens like everything's ramping back up with work and things like that. So I think if it were not the case, absolutely. But I am not like a big, I don't go anywhere in the summer either, really. Although I do have a lot more things going on, like parties or, you know, whatever. You're going to somebody's house I'm pre-COVID. But yeah, I find though when it's hot out, my attention, like I my, I have every good intention to go outside and sit in my chair and read for a few hours, but it's so hot, you can't. And you know, you got the kid, you're always mm-hmm. walking around doing something. So I definitely see what you mean by audiobooks being a lifesaver in summer. And I think for me, the difference is in the winter, I'm reading books that fall more in my wheelhouse because it's darker plots, Mm -hmm. typically. Not always, but there's something a little darker. I want something moody. I want something mysterious. Summer, I tend to be drawn towards something that's super plot-driven, a little lighter and a little bit easier to digest because it can then fit in your summer plans and you're dipping in and out or whatever. I kind of also like the idea of more women's fiction in the summer, something breezy and nothing too like fluffy, but Mm -hmm. something a little bit breezier. And I do, for whatever reason, like for my books to match 
whatever setting I am in. This morning I was walking, I was going to the gym and it was six degrees out. And I was like, it is unbelievably cold. And I was like walking over ice because everything froze here. And I thought at least I'm not in Antarctica (laughs) is one of the books I'm reading. Antarctica and its elements plays a huge role in the plot. And I just thought, ooh, it like gives me the chills just to think about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you read at all like more of your big chunkies in the winter Mm -hmm. or not really? That doesn't play a part. No, I don't think it plays a part. I think what plays a bigger part is the start of a new year. So I am in the middle of four or five books right now because I can't help myself. I need them in different formats. I'm like, oh my God, it's a new year. I want to try all these new books. And like, I don't know why or what happens, but something by the end of the year, my brain like resets and it's like, all right, it's a new first, you know, it's a first of the new year. What are we reading? I didn't finish my first book until like the 5th of January. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Mm -hmm. Why haven't I finished a book? Which is absolutely ridiculous, (laughs) but that's where my brain went. Right. We were kind of in the same boat about that. Mm -hmm. We didn't start off January 1st and 2nd and 3rd, very st- <laughs> like finishing mm-hmm. a bunch of books. I am really curious. And I know we have listeners in warm winter yes. climates. I'm wondering if, if you're in a warm winter climate, do you have a desire to read snow-filled books in the winter? Because like you said, I am in a cold climate. We don't have snow, luckily, but I hate snow. But I want to read books that are also set in cold when I'm in the cold, mm-hmm. which is, is I don't know. Like I really have no desire to read a, a book set on a beach right now. I don't either. I wouldn't. I don't know. It's weird, weird right? I know. It's what really strange. strange. It's, a, it's interesting to think about. Something about being cozy, like something about it. I don't know. It, it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside to be like, oh, we're reading this book that's set, especially if the elements play a role mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like really descriptive like imagery and you can feel the cold. There's something about yes. it. And I'm, like earlier I was thinking, I'm like, thank God I have heat. Like I'm just feeling very grateful that I like live in a house and have heat because it is unbearable right. outside right now. Like I just... Right. It's, it's it's bad because it what happened, it snowed and then it rained. So the rain froze on top of the snow. So it's just been this ice rink for Ooh, a week. Yeah, I do like in my book. I'm bringing that in my books today. Snow plays such a big role. And mm-hmm. I I like reading about that while I'm under a blanket. And because right. I think, oh, I'm so glad I'm not in that situation because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, these are these are there's a ton of snow in these stories today. You're touching on something really Good though. Something so again, one of mine's in Antarctica and they're literally on it. There's something so anxiety inducing about thinking about the great vast ice Mm -hmm. block that it is. Cause you can only be outside for like 10 minutes before you freeze. And yeah, I'm getting like, I'm getting tense thinking about it. That's it. You're that's exactly right. I even put my in my notes on one of mine. Like, I feel cold reading about these sections Mm -hmm. and the weather in these types of stories can be used to increase tension and suspense. Yes, absolutely. So that that's something I really like in a mystery and thriller. Mm-hmm. Me too, yeah. me too. Anything else to add on winter talk? No, I know. It's it's something that like easy to feel, especially for mood readers. Like you mm-hmm. know you know how you feel, but it's really hard to talk about. <laughs> it's really hard to put yeah. into words exactly mm-hmm. why maybe we are in that sort of mood in the winter. Because I mean, really when when spring rolls around, it's not like I feel 
like reading books with rain. So I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is about winter and summer specifically. But I really do change my reading preferences for those two seasons. I think there's something about winter. You give yourself permission to slow down Mm -hmm, because it's it's so cold out. You give yourself permission to sit there and read. You could do that anytime. I'm speaking to myself. I could do that anytime. Mm -hmm. But like in winter, it's like, yeah. No one's going anywhere anyway. Let's well, just hang out and read books. And the days are shorter. That definitely oh, gets plays dark at a part. Four o'clock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I want to hear. I mean, you've been teasing me, and so yeah, now's right. the time. I want. I want to okay, know what your first read is. All right. Well, my first read. You do know that I've read it. It's Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey. I love this book. This was my first book of 2022. And if you want a book that will really make you sit and think about the meaning of life, this will do it. It's set in the near future when climate change has really taken its toll and nearly all of the world's wildlife are extinct. So fish, birds, animals, they're extinct at this point, almost all of them. The main character is Franny Stone, and she's a woman who comes from a family of wanderers. Her mom was a wanderer. She finds that she's a wanderer and she's never been good at staying in one place. And the story begins with her arriving in Greenland with a singular purpose to follow the last Arctic turns in the world on what might be their final migration to Antarctica. So these are birds and they basically fly from the North Pole to the South Pole. And her singular purpose is to follow this last group of birds on their last migration. So she gets there and somehow is able to befriend this group of fishermen and talks her way onto the boat. And basically she does this by saying, look, you guys are looking for fish. The birds go where the fish go. So I'm tracking these birds. Bring me on your boat. You'll be able to find the fish. And she has a bit of a moral conundrum with this because she is a conservationist by nature, by her heart. And these men are fishermen. They're obviously killing and selling these fish. And so she's kind of struggling with that. But this is an interesting group of people. They set sail, and as they're on the water, we come to learn more about Franny's history as well as the history of the other people on the boat. You just get drawn in. These are characters, even though some of them had only a few scenes, you can visualize who they are and why they're on this boat. There's a passionate love affair. Somebody has an absent family. There's a devastating crime. And we figure out that Franny is not who she seems. And she's got a lot more secrets than she's been willing to share. This was a fantastic book to open up the new year with. The author is so very good at getting you to care about things that you might not otherwise consider. She also wrote Once There Were Wolves. Mm -hmm. I read that last year. Loved that book. I love this book even more, which I wasn't expecting. Oh. And I don't like birds. It's like a well-known <laughs> odd fact about me that in the in the concrete, like if there's birds on Michigan Ave as I'm walking to work, I just close my eyes because I don't like birds. What? Like I don't like flapping in my face. Like, uh-uh, get away from me. I guess specifically pigeons. These are not pigeons. These are beautiful birds. That, you know, they can fly away or whatever. Anyway, she got me to care about birds, which is saying a... <laughs> lot. (laughs) She is a fantastic storyteller, and she just writes so lyrically. The book plays with time in an interesting way. You're in the present, and then you're kind of talking flashbacks when she's with her husband, and then you're in the present again. I never felt lost, and she just really takes her time revealing the story. This book was deep. It was thought-provoking, and when I finished, I was just sitting there staring up at my ceiling. 
taking it in. Like, damn, you told a good story. It's a story about home, humanity, nature, and found family. And it's one that I wish I could read again for the first time. This is Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey. Yes, I have that one. That's the one now that you, I didn't know which book you were starting with, but mm-hmm. I have that in my in my Kindle hiding that I've never read. And I was like, oh, I'm going to read this. And then I thought, I better ask Tina. I'm glad you did. You felt you felt me. And yeah. I was like, yes, get away from it. It's mine. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I haven't read either one of her books and you've read both. I want to read both. I have. Yeah. Oh, she's now an auto-read author for me. She's so good. I love nature. I actually love mm. birds as far as mm-hmm. like, I love to see the birds at the park when I'm walking. Your birds are different than my city birds. Well, yeah, they're, they're not like, pigeons. They're they're pigeons. Red birds. They just don't birds. move. I mean, I call them by the color. I know there's cardinals. <laughs> I just <laughs> right. We, yeah, I'm yeah. very simple in my bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's All on right, my. What list. do you got for us? All right, yeah. I am starting with a solitude of wolverines by Alice Henderson. And whoa, talk about the perfect book as far as a winter setting. And this is the first book in a series that will be featuring Alex Carter. She's the main character and she's a wildlife biologist. This would be a good book flight with yours. And she gets into trouble as she works to save endangered species and a mysterious killer who buries his dead in the land that she's helping to preserve. So when the story starts off, You have Alex in Boston. So it starts off with a literal bang because there's a shooting and it's it's very action-packed. I really, really liked the beginning of this to get me into the story and let me get to know Alex. Shortly after this happens, she's offered a job to study wolverines on a wildlife sanctuary in Montana. So the sanctuary used to be a popular ski resort. And there's a map in the front, which this is the print book that I read. And I mm-hmm. really liked seeing the map. This is a big and remote ski resort. And of course, she's going to be there all by herself because she's there to track and try to locate the wolverines. When she arrives, she's run off the road and threatened by locals determined to force her off the land. She is undeterred in her mission to help save this threatened species. And she starts to track the wolverines on foot and she uses cameras to position them at night in remote regions of the preserve. And then that's when she's going through the photos the next day that she discovers disturbing images of an animal of a different kind, a severely injured man, seemingly lost and wandering in the wilds. And so really, that's a really basic setup because so much happens. This is a really action-packed, suspenseful type of mystery. And of course, there's tons of snow, tons. Mm -hmm. And she's all by herself. So you've got the snow and you've got the cold, which are integral setting details. And they also help to elevate the sense of isolation. And she has no fear, though. She... She'll, she takes her tent. She goes out. She stays by herself. She's a very strong character. I really, really liked her. And with this type of story, that's important to me 
mm-hmm. to connect with this type of character because otherwise I'm not going to stay invested. And I was very invested. And I like that the author gave us this really strong female protagonist. And then you know, she was having trouble, love troubles with her boyfriend. They had broken up. So there's an introduction of a handsome guy in the story who's also very passionate about wildlife. And I liked that sprinkling in. As the story goes, I loved learning about wolverines, actually, and the importance of jobs like Alex had and the dedic- their dedication to helping study endangered and extinct animals. I loved all of that. I loved the mystery aspect as to what was going on, who was trying to push her out of this resort. There did come a point where I began to realize that there were wild animals being mistreated and abused. Mm. And that was tough. It's tough for me. Um, I wish I would have known about that. I would not have stopped reading what I would have done and I kind of did a little bit, was skip a little bit of that. But it is kind of a big part of the story as to what's going on. But my issue with that is the writing was so good. And once it's described to me, I can't stop thinking about it. And I have those images. Yeah. And it really it really bothers me. But also what was happening is realistic, unfortunately. I just don't, I don't like reading about it. I will say... Not a reason not to pick this book up at all. And everything ends up okay in the end. So okay. for, for the animal lovers out there, I would want to know that and know that I can keep going. And so I'm I'm saying that to everyone. I love I really love this book. I loved it. And I actually it got a little over the top, a little over the top at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to suspend your disbelief, but not to the point of like eye rolling. It's not crazy. Yep. It's just okay. I like this so much that I have already downloaded book two, which is a blizzard of polar bears. And I'm going to continue following the series and Alex. I really, really liked it. It's A Solitude of Wolverines by Alice Henderson. Oh, I'm so glad. Those names are funny. That's a. (laughs) I was smiling in the beginning when you first started talking because I was like, of course, Renee managed to find a dead body in her winter. Yes, yes. I told you. Naturally. Every book I'm bringing today has some sort of murder, I believe, Mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. Everyone I'm bringing is a mystery. But yeah, it goes in with my mood lately. It just shows you that there's so many ways to look at this. There are so many books sent winter. You can get you can get a lot. Yeah. And this particular story, too, and the next one I'm bringing would have made no sense set on a beach. You know what I mean? Like the snow mm-hmm. and the mountains and oh, the yeah. remoteness and all of it played such a key factor in setting the atmosphere of the story. And for a lot of what happened in this story, it, it made it almost impossible for her to get places and do things because of the snow. Yeah, and that's exactly how it is in my upcoming book, which is The Dark by Emma Houghton. This is a locked room mystery set in Antarctica. And let me tell you, I love a locked room mystery. This was a perfect example of it. So what you have is a doctor named Kate, and she's basically going through the worst time in her life. And the opportunity comes up to work as a doctor at the UNA research station in Antarctica. And she thinks, you know what? I'm going to take it, despite the fact that she's afraid of the dark and (laughs) uh, has a fear of flying. 
And oh yeah, has a bit of an addiction to prescription pills. So Kate's struggling. However, you come to know a little bit about her backstory and I gave her a little bit of a pass on that. So she's going there as a replacement to the previous doctor who was very, very well loved. And he died in a tragic accident and he ended up freezing to death. And everybody at the base, she kind of gets there and is like, all right, stuff's something's up because they're not particularly warm to her. Some people are, but most people are not. And it's because everyone is still dealing with this man's loss. So she at first has a tough time fitting in. Basically, she does begin to settle in and she starts to uncover some things that aren't adding up with reference to the doctor's death. And then she does a little bit of digging and somebody else dies. And this time it is definitely no accident and things take off from there in a really satisfying way. This was super bingeable, super atmospheric, just like what you were saying This would not have made sense in any other setting because you would have been able to call for help or what have you. They couldn't call for help because what happens is in Antarctica, it's winter. And so it's night. It's dark for 24 hours a day. So no planes can get in and it's too cold and the planes can't get in to get them out of there. So they're just she's dealing with this second dead body. And I when I was reading this could feel the cold. And now somehow I'm terrified of like freezing to death, even though it's like very unlikely that that will happen to me. However, that's the kind of book that it was. I thought all of the clues were there. It was a perfect locked room mystery where you kind of think, okay, it could be any one of you. Like, who do I trust? The main character, I can see people not liking her. I had a little bit of sympathy for her given what she had gone through. And her addiction made it to where I'm like, is she unreliable? What are you saying oh, right now? Yeah. What's happening? But not in an annoying way. Not in a like, oh my God, damsel in distress way. It was just kind of like, huh, what am I, re- what's really happening? And you stay in the action, especially at like 75%. I was like, nope, not putting this down. I actually did guess who it was. I might. <laughs> I'm going to brag a little bit about that because I literally never do. But only because I caught one little tiny, tiny thing. I thought you had a flawed main character who ultimately steps up. And there was a satisfying resolution. There's no audiobook for this. And it's only $4.99 on Kindle, which is the way that I purchased it. I thought this would make a really good audiobook, but I don't seem to see that there is one. Something else that was interesting is that they were so isolated that it's typical for people that are isolated in this type of environment to begin to question things. So that was that played an element as well. You kind of see people start to really freak out and really break down. One funny note, she must have mentioned marijuana like 20 times in the book. She's like, oh, I don't know. I think I think this character is smoking weed again, although he's trying to hide it. And she had like this odd fixation. I actually think the author wrote some nonfiction books about weed. Oh. Because I saw somebody with the same name who had written nonfiction about like marijuana. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. And it was like a non sequitur because it really doesn't play a huge role in the plot. But anyway, I just had to had to mention that it was interesting. But apparently she did research for this book by reading blogs and watching videos of real Antarctic researchers, which I thought was super cool. This is the coldest and most deserted place in the world. And honestly, I really enjoyed it. This was not her debut, but it was definitely the first book that I have read from this author. I found that I love a new trope. I love this new trope of a latecomer coming into a group 
define that something bad happened, but she doesn't know what it is. So she's kind of like, she's getting a vibe and you can tell they're trying to keep something from her. And she she kind of tries to uncover clues to figure out what really went on in the group. I really liked that dynamic. A very satisfying ending. And I dug it. This was The Dark by Emma Houghton. I have never heard of that. I was worried you were going to scoop it. I don't know why. I was just like, you know how like that happens, though. There's so many books in the I world. Know. We but, think like, a- I was excited. We think along the same this. lines a lot. Mm-hmm. What, what, wait, was that called The Dark? Yeah, it's The, the dark. dark. Okay. The Dark. And uh, it's got a red cabin on there and the huge mound of snow. And it says, one dead body, 12 suspects, 24-hour darkness. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. Sounds okay. good to okay. me. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. And that I, that totally wouldn't work anywhere else. Oh, gosh, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. You got to have the, the cold remote setting. All right. Good, good, good. Okay. My All right. What's this one? Next one is The Overnight Guest by Heather Gudenkoff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This comes mm-hmm. out January 25th. So next week. And this was one of my January book on the radar picks from episode 31. So in this story, there's a lot going on. You And I'm going to try to keep it short because I have to. Um, You have true crime writer Wiley Lark, and she ends up being snowed in at an isolated farmhouse where she has went to write her new book. She is a true crime writer. So um, she's got a cozy fireplace, complete silence, and it would be perfect if not for the fact that decades earlier at that very house, Two people were murdered in cold blood and a girl disappeared without a trace. And then in the snowstorm, Wiley finds someone stranded. And that is kind of the throwing off point of the story in that timeline. There's three timelines in this story as well. I really went for a complex reads. Like, I'm just telling you. <laughs> I <crazy>. see that. <laughs> I didn't know when I started this that there were going to be three separate basically there's three separate mysteries you have this timeline which is which i'm going to call present day you have a past timeline that is set in august of 2000 and in that story you have 14 year old girl named josie and her entire world is upended after there is a double murder and two people she's close with vanish without a trace and If that wasn't enough to keep you guessing, there's a third timeline dealing with a mother and her daughter, and they're confined to a life being held captive in a basement by a man who's, quote unquote, her husband, but definitely the father of the little girl. Mm, And you really, so all three are equally suspenseful. I mean, this story was a wild ride. I started this at like 10 o'clock thinking I'm just going to read for an hour before bed. I'm not exaggerating. It pulled me in immediately. And especially the the August storyline. Oh my gosh. My heart was pounding. My heart was pounding. It was so suspenseful. I ended up reading, this is one of those books that time obviously went so fast, but I thought, okay, it's probably 11, you know, it's probably been an hour. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and go to bed. I checked my phone and it was 1215 and I felt like, 
how did I just read for over two hours? And I was so into the story that it's this type of story. It's just, you've got to stay with each timeline, but don't don't be so focused on thinking you've got to figure out what's going on. You, They don't feel connected, but man, by the end, full circle, she will connect every single tiny thread in such a way that I loved it. It was so good. Around 60% in, I started to put together some possible pieces, but I wasn't sure. And the suspense, though, was so high. And then in the present day, there is a tremendous snowstorm going on. And that's what really set the scene for the tension. And the weird part is, is I really didn't like Wiley all that much. It She kind of did. She made such dumb decisions. And I kept thinking, what are you doing? And it, it felt like the horror movies where you're watching the person who's all alone and it's dark out and it's nighttime and they know a serial killer's on the loose, but they heard a noise. So they're going to go outside and check. That's what she would. Right. I better. That's I better what look. she was doing <laughs> in a snowstorm. Things like that. I'm not saying there was that there was a killer on the loose, but she was going out into this blizzard doing stupid stuff. But I kept, but it didn't matter. I kept reading and the tension just kept going up and up and up. I really, really love this book. And that's really all I can say because if you like a mystery and you like more than one mystery that seemingly will not tie together, but then does. <laughs> This is the type of book for you. It's very plot driven, but also in this one, there are characters that you're going to want to know what happens to them. I was really invested in Josie, the the little girl from the um, 2000 timeline and the mother and the little girl from the other timeline, really, really invested. So that was The Overnight Guest by Heather Gutenkoff. I don't know much about this book at all, other than I knew you brought it to the show. I'm like, oh, good. Like, as a, I always get happy when we bring a on the radar book right. to the show. So it sounds it like really it worked, worked for, for me. Exciting. And also, she's, um, I'm two for two with this author because I, mm-hmm. a couple years ago, read Before She Was Found, and that was five stars. I loved it. I loved this one. So I think I, I think that means I need to go and read more of her backlist. Mm-hmm. I do. It sounds I like that. So. Wow. We get a two for yes. one recommendation yes, there. Yes, do. All right. Well, let me tell you about my shelf edition. My shelf edition comes out on April 12th, 2022, and it's called Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. This is a novel about a young Black nurse who makes a shocking discovery that leads her on a quest for justice. It's set in Montgomery, Alabama in 1973, and you have the protagonist, Sybil Townsend. She's a fresh graduate of nursing school, and she intends to make a difference, especially within the African-American community. At Montgomery Family Planning Clinic, she hopes to help women shape their destinies and to make their own choices for their lives and bodies. I didn't mean to bring two books that are set in a women's clinic, (laughs) but here we are. But when her first week on the job takes her along a dusty country road to a worn-down one-room cabin, Sybil is shocked to learn that her new patients are children. They're 11 and 13. They've never kissed a boy, but because they're poor and they are Black, they are asked to, for those handling the family's welfare benefits, they are assigned to be given birth control, even though they're literally children. 
So she's kind of grappling with this role and, you know, she comes to know this family and really makes a connection with them until one day she arrives at their door and learns that the unthinkable has happened and nothing will ever be the same for any of them. Then the story flashes forward to decades later, where she now has a daughter who's grown and she's had a long career. She is now Dr. Civil Townsend and she's ready to retire and kind of live her life of peace and leave the past behind. But people and stories refuse to be forgotten in many ways. And sometimes they must not be forgotten lest history repeat itself. So this one's inspired by true events, which I always really enjoy. And this book was called Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez out on April 12th. And it's got a really, really beautiful cover, which is what made it stand out to me. Okay, great. That sounds good. Okay. My shelf edition is called The Old Woman with the Knife. And (laughs) it is by Gu Byung Mo. Comes out March 8th, 2022. Don't tell me you've heard of this. No, this one, no. You've got it. I got you. Um, I wanted to bring this. This was one of uh, Crime Reads' 85 anticipated 2022 books. What caught my eye, too, about this book, we had received some listener feedback from our survey and about bringing books with protagonists over 50, which is a great bit of feedback and it and it really has me thinking and looking for books like that. And then you last year brought some very unique Japanese thrillers. This mm-hmm. is an international bestseller from a Korean author. So this is a Korean yep. thriller. Um the first time that this author has had a, a book published in English. So the woman in this story, she's 65 and her name is Hornclaw. And she's starting to slow down. She lives a modest life in a small apartment. She has an aging dog to keep her company. And she begins to realize that it might be time for her to retire and live the rest of her days quietly. However, she is an assassin and she may not be able to do that. Her specialty is assassinating double crossers, corporate enemies, cheating spouses, For the past 40 years, she has killed them all with ruthless efficiency, and the key for her is the less she knows about her targets, the better. But now, something happens, she has slipped up, and an injury has led her to make an unexpected connection with a doctor and his family. So this is a problem because emotions for her are dangerous, and she starts to realize as things close in that her career, but also her life may be coming to a bloody end. This book is described as electrifying and mordantly funny. Oh, I know. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that from the I synopsis. Know. It's the wom- the old woman with the knife by Gu Byung Mo. Yeah. And that, that title makes a lot more sense now that I know what it's about. I kind of love, a retired assassin. I right. love that idea. I know. I really, really hope this is good. But we don't we don't see a lot of main characters, especially assassins, that are over, no. you know, 50, 55, whatever. No, you know. No. So I, I really like I really like the sound of this one. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you'd like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us over on Patreon for $5 a month. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember everything's better with books. <laughs> banana Republic, a lot of, uh, I have put I my knew sweaters, it. I was like, sweater I ones from there. And then they mm-hmm. stopped carrying them. Yeah. But it lasts, they last a while too. They do last like. a while. I wear a lo- mm-hmm. I wear those a lot. And um, Marshalls, I have some old ones I found at Marshalls, which I think some were loft. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, should, yeah. I have a lot of this old sweaters. You're like, I have black, sweaters still from turtleneck. the limited that are turtleneck sweaters. Well, look, what's the point in throwing it out if you still like it? I know. Still- and- I'll wear stuff into the ground, though. Like, don't listen to me. <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on. Now the sweater corner Clothing has closed. Adjacent.